Hello, and welcome to the Fat Boys in the Union podcast, brought to you by Blake Haynes, Derek Imberton, Ryan Barker, and Tanner Crawford. We bring you somewhat factual, observational, and very delusional sports and world takes. We hope you enjoy the journey. Thank you. <laughs> well, I take it you're at SeaWorld. How'd you know I was in Kansas City? I, I'm just a genius like that. I got eyes everywhere, dude. I drive all day. You know what else you're you know what you're you're good about is uh, predicting KU's first three games. By the way, hey, you know although Beatty didn't get fired, I actually at the end I was kind of right. No, you. First off, before we kick this thing off. I have to give you props because you had faith that they would go two and one the first three non-conference games. You called Nickel State loss, and then you said somehow they were going to win against Central Michigan or Rutgers, and I just didn't buy it. And clearly you were right, and I was just I, – I, I'm so happy right now that we're two and one, and I can't wait to discuss these previous games we just went over. And, uh, and in case you're listening to this and you didn't know – this is the uh, second episode of the KU Football Only podcast with me and Derek. And he, I mean, before I could say that, there was piss in, in the side of my ear. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, had, had to drain the main vein, dude. So, like he said, uh, KU Football is now two and one. Um, after our first episode, which was a very depressing uh, outlook on the year, I do feel pretty good now. And, you know, I don't want to take all the glory saying they were going to go two and one. But part of my thing was also that I thought Beatty would be fired if we lost the first game. But they still went two and one. So let's start with the recap of the Nickel State, a.k.a. the FCS opponent, the second in which David Beatty has lost to. Okay, so well, the final score of that game was, what, 26-23 in overtime? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. So, if I recall correctly, I'm pulling up stats right now. Khalil Herbert was our leading rusher. Um, the th- problem with that game is we put the ball uh, – our offensive line had problems for some reason. I don't know what it was because the second and third game, we really didn't have a problem scoring the ball or just protecting our quarterback. But um, Peyton Bender went 19-35 for 187 and two touchdowns. In my personal opinion, 35 attempts for him is way too many. I feel like if you're going to have, you know, let's look at the positives. If you're going to have a productive game for Bender, I'm thinking he's anywhere from 15 to 20 attempts at tops. Mm -hmm. Khalil Herbert led us in rushing for uh, 12 carries for 61 yards. And Kerr Johnson was uh, three catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. And I believe uh, KU was sacked six times that game. So, Tanner, I just – I didn't know what to think, man. I was like, great, we have to play two FBS non-conference teams after this game. How are we going to fucking move the ball? Well, yeah, that was the scary thing was this FCS team. Uh, they had a lot of people returning, but it was still – it's still an FCS team. We're still a big, you know, a power five team. But it's scary that – we couldn't run the ball and we couldn't pass the ball. So, 
there goes the question of why why did we struggle so bad? To be honest, I can't even begin to give you a reason why we struggled so bad because after watching these past two games where he beat Central Michigan and Rutgers, I don't know if it just took time for the offensive line to gel together because a lot of those guys have never played football together. Um, I I don't know the exact starters for that first game, but I know uh, Adinaji was a two-year starter for us before that game. And then mm-hmm. after that, I think it was pretty much transfer. So I don't know if they just needed one game to gel together or what, what the problem was. Sorry, I lost my train of thought right there. My one-year-old was knocking on the door and trying to turn the – I could hear him trying to turn the doorknob. And I'm sitting there, like, freaking out, like, oh, God, what the hell is about to happen? <laughs> it's understandable. I was like, what the hell are they talking about? Because I can hear the baby crying. And then I heard, I heard, you know, you hear the doorknob open, like, slowly. And I'm like, oh, dear God. But, no, uh, looking, I mean, it's easy to say now. Um, I mean, it looks worse now because at the time, you know, I mean, even, uh, you know, a lot of ESPN people, like, it was all over the media about Nickel State probably beating KU. And now that we look back, Nickel State has now lost to Tulane and McNeese State. They got blown out by Tulane, seventeen to forty-two, and they lost to McNeese State, ten to twenty, last week. So, looking back, that loss now looks worse to me because I thought Nickel State would be a team that would be pretty. So, I mean, I think didn't you say they they were like top fifteen or something like that in the preseason rankings? Yeah, in the FCS rankings, I believe they were in the top fifteen. So, and so they- now they. They're one and two now after only beating KU. Well, I understand why you're a little worried because it's only three games in, but let's give it a few weeks to see where they're at because there's a lot of people jumping on the KU bandwagon, if you haven't noticed, especially on Twitter and well, Facebook. Yes. And to and to jump into the next game, um, there's a certain particular person who has given life to the offense, the coaches, the defense – and even the special teams. And who would that be, Derek? Okay, I'm going to give you the person who gave me life back in, like, 2005. And then we'll get to this guy. <laughs> but I have to I have to go back and, and, you know, just, like, reminisce. Because KU football has always been something very uh, special to me. Um, you may be familiar with this gentleman named John Cornish. Yes, the, a Canadian. The, 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 the running back that uh, he, get, he got us the two bowl games. And, you know, he wasn't anything spectacular as far as his athleticism. He was just a, one of those guys, man, Gino, you know, found diamond in the rough and, you know, fit the system right. And this kid right here, I, I can be honest, we got to watch, you know, Todd Reesing, the Des Briscoes, Kerry Myers, Jake Sharps. We got to see a lot of talent in a, in a very small window. But this kid, I feel like he is probably the best recruit that Kansas has landed since John Riggins. I'll go on record right now and say that is the best recruit we've landed since John Riggins. Nice. Yeah, he's definitely showed um, that he's got everything. I mean, he doesn't have uh, he doesn't have like the four two four three forty. I bet he runs like a four at least a four four. But his uh, it's his side to side game. His the way he can. Uh, bust his hips open and close so fast while running uh, that CMU game, which they ended up winning 31 to seven. He had 10 forced missed tackles on 14 touches. That's pretty damn good. 
I don't know what that percentage is, but I feel like that's like at least 75% of the time he got the ball, he was making someone miss on a tackle. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, although he did get a start in that game, he still, I mean, you know, they weren't too crazy on giving him a bunch of touches right out the gate because that literally was his first ever college football game. You know, and for his first game, I've got his stats right here. Uh, you know, 31-7, to seven, he had 14 carries and one reception. I think his reception went for eight yards, 14 carries for 125 yards and two touchdowns. So he kind of made it look like it was easier than it should have been. Yeah, and you see, uh, you saw the – it's basically as soon as he got a hold of the ball and started doing puka shit, he the defense just like is like they it, they turned back the clock to like 2007. The defense just was flying around. They were flying to the quarterback. They were flying behind the line of scrimmage. They were breaking up passes. They were picking off passes, and it was just like holy crap. This reminds me of you know the team that won the Orange Bowl. The you know the defense is just stacked. It makes you think about those years where we had James Sims, a legitimate running back, probably one of the best running backs we've ever had. You know, if, it makes you think if we would have had a better offense back then, what those defenses we had previously could have done with, like, Ben Heaney and company. Like, it just well, makes, uh, it just shows you, like, if you have a guy that can score points for you, it gives your life – it gives your defense a lot of life and a lot of momentum. Yeah, and on, and on any down, that's what's crazy is, you know, it doesn't have to be set up for him to, to succeed. Like, there was a couple runs you've seen where you could tell it's designed to go, you know – between a certain gap, and then he just busts it to the outside, and no one's quick enough to get to the edge. And that is probably why Puka Williams is the number one rated uh, running back in college football by PFF after three weeks. Can you believe that? After three seasons previous to this, where we won, I believe, a combined uh, three games or four games tops, and now we have the top-rated running back on our team. Yeah, we were three and thirty-three in three years. Uh, and I now mean, we won two games in two weeks. You know, the thing about Puka, I love like he's going to take so much pressure off everyone else, and I feel like people have paid so much attention to Puka, they don't realize that we have other talent on our offense. It's just being overshadowed by Puka, to be honest with you. Yeah, Sims, Sims is a freaking. He's, you know, he's he's what is he like? He's not this year. He has a chance to break the record for a lot of receiver stuff, and he's been on for arguably the three worst KU teams ever to, to exist. Exactly. I think he needed 60, 60 or sixty six receptions to break the receiving record, and he had fifty nine as a sophomore, I think, or the yeah. year before. I mean, so he. I mean, it's he's capable of doing it when we with shitty quarterbacks. I mean, if we if we get that guy going too, because honestly, Puka's great, but. Steven Sims is just as good as not, if not better than Puka, because I've seen what that guy's done the past two or three years. And it's just like, if you get him going with Puka, Khalil Herbert, Dom Williams, you know, throwing a few other guys, Kerr Johnson Jr., this is a pretty good offense, but it's just going to come down to that quarterback position, which is still a toss up. So, wrapping up this Central Michigan win, which was 31 to 7, I can say I don't know how I felt about it because. As I said in the first episode, I knew they were losing. They lost a quarterback, a tight end, their three best wide receivers, and they lost some linemen on the offense. So, like, I I think I even said that CMU is probably one of the worst teams in college football this year. 
So us winning, I was super happy we won, but at the same time, I was like, I don't know, like this, you know, CMU is is a basement team, and I felt like it, it was another we should have won because we're in the Big Twelve, but we're still KU. So that led us into the Rutgers game. Derek, you want to kind of get started on the Rutgers game? Absolutely. Uh, so the Kansas Rutgers game, the final was KU fifty five. Rutgers 14. Uh, statistical leaders for that game for KU. Uh, Peyton Bender went 8 of 12 for 73 yards. Miles Kendrick, 6 of 11 for 66 yards and one touchdown. He also had six carries for 28 yards and a touchdown. Our running backs, Puka Williams, 18 carries, 158 yards and a touchdown. Darren Thompson, three carries, 70 yards and a touchdown. Khalil Herbert, two carries, 64 yards and a touchdown. And the stat I want to get to the most, uh, Bryce Tornaden and Mike Lee each had a pick six. And I believe we also had four other turnovers forced on our defense besides those two. So yep. Coe Harris got his first, uh, his first turnover, which was that, that kind of had the same feeling. I won't talk. I'm not going to ramble a whole bunch about the Chiefs here, but after that first Chiefs game where Tyreek Hill and Mahomes looked like they only cared about each other. Right. Um, I was worried about Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins, Watkins kind of getting down. And and that's how I felt about Co Harris after Puka broke out. I was like, man, like these guys are both, you know, four-star players. Like one guy after this first game is on top of the world already. And Co Harris, you know, I kind of felt like he was left in the dark where it was like, you know, like, man, what the hell? Nobody cares about me. So I was super happy to see him get a pick because I didn't want him feeling like he wasn't as valuable as Puka because you know quarterback is especially the Big 12 is the hardest fucking position to play and so I just don't want him to get his head down because we're going to need him so badly in the next coming years to build off your point in my opinion and this might be like this might you know uh ruffle some feathers with some fans uh in my opinion Kill Harris is more important than uh Puka Williams for this KU team in my opinion just because the passing attack in the Big 12 is just so relevant. Like, that's every yeah. every team. It's throwing the ball, throwing the ball. Like, I have no – I have no fa- – I have no doubt Puka is going to get his yards. But mm-hmm. we need Co- – we need – we need a – we need Corion Harris to just be able to, you know, get a few turnovers here and there, make some key tackles on some plays. And if he does that with, like, you know, Joe Deneen, Bryce Tornaden, the rest of those guys on defense, I feel like it's going to give us a shot to be very competitive in this conference. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, yeah, because cornerback, uh, you know, when you have uh, the Oklahoma State, Oklahoma's and all those guys throwing 50 times a game, uh, that's 50 passes that needed defense. So I see that. I see your point there, and I don't think, I mean, I don't think you'll ruffle any feathers because they're both so vitally important. Um, I mainly from this game was super impressed with, I know Bender is, you know, he's, He's been able to start starting quarterback. He's been here for a couple years now. I was really impressed with the pistol sets with Kendrick. The, the little read option option looks we gave him? That is the first quarterback that we've – I mean, even under uh, – Charlie Weiss tried to run read option, and we were terrible at it. Beatty has tried to bring in read option stuff since he's been here, and we've been terrible at it. Kendrick is the first quarterback that's ran a read option, and it's like, that's how that's how it's supposed to look. Yeah, you know, if you watch how, a lot, if you watch other college football teams, you can see how easily it is. I mean, you're just 
pretty much reading that defensive end and outside linebacker, and that's your key read pretty much. And if you have a guy like, you know, uh, sorry, Kendrick Miles, like he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's athletic enough to get you like six or seven yards every time. Yeah, he – it's – it's you, you watch K-State games and Bill, Bill Snyder calls the same 10 plays every game all season long, and half of them are read option plays. And you see that's, you know, how long he holds onto the ball, how how good they take care of the ball. And ever since we've started trying to run these, there's always a fumble. The quarterback never hardly keeps it, even when, you know, the read is supposed to be him running for 20 yards because no one's there. And Miles Kendrick has just – you know the way he's he's built kind of like Russell Wilson. He's he's thick. He's only like five eleven, but that doesn't that doesn't take away from his passing either because he threw some pretty damn good passes too, especially that fade. Yeah, exactly to corner. Jeremiah Booker in the end zone, uh, the red zone. It was like a it was on the six yard line, I believe. But to go off your point there, it's more important that he gets that read option down because the more pressure we take off Puka, I feel like the more dangerous this Kansas team could be. Yeah, because that's – I mean, yeah, if we can run a read option and get 200 yards rushing a game, that should make us easily be able to throw to Steven Sims and the other receivers. Oh, as and much if as you ima- can you imagine what Steven Sims is going to do when we have a rushing attack? Like, he's going to pick apart whoever is guarding him. It's not going to even be fair. So I felt like the Central Michigan win was mostly just us actually being the better team having better players, um, having continuity in our roster. And then the Rutgers win was not so much passing, but we had a crowd. It was all rushing yards. And the defense, of course, with their pick sixes and their forced turnovers. But that takes me into the Baylor game, which Baylor's sitting at 2-1. and one. They've beat, beat two Podunk teams, and they lost a – by 14, I believe, at Duke, which is a pretty solid team. Um, what do you think about that game, Derek? Well, I want to highlight our defense because we've been talking about this offense. The KU's, you know, came out with this rushing attack these past, uh-huh. you know, two games uh, since Puka started playing. Um, but I want to just mention that KU is number one in the country in turnover differential with a plus 12 through three games. And this was a team that I thought was going, you know, zero and twelve. You thought they were going two uh-huh. and ten. So obviously, uh-huh. right now they've already overshot our expectations. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like if KU can run the ball against Baylor effectively, they're going to have a very good chance to win this game. Duke won this game. I think it was forty-one twenty-seven. I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure they won by fourteen. Um, what I wrote. <laughs> Hello, Whiskers. What I wrote down, Duke only had to throw 174 yards in that win, which Bender has shown he can throw 174 yards. I was going to say, so that's not a problem for us. They allowed 225 yards rushing, and they also had – offensively, they had three fumbles in one pick. So on paper right now, if you ignore the part where it says Baylor – um, if you just take away the name Baylor, which we've always struggled against because of their offense, if you just look at these, okay, 174 yards, 225 rushing yards allowed, three fumbles and a pick, that looks like a pretty dang good matchup for us, does it not? It really does. Um, 
And the first game of the season, Corey Brewer was uh, partially the starter, but they were going back and forth with their backup. So it took mm-hmm. him at least a game or two before they decided he was going to be starter. Um, I got a little statistical lineup for the uh, Baylor Bears right now. Um, so Corey Brewer is their leading passer with 641 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. John Lovett, 28 carries, 174 yards and three touchdowns. And the Tennessee transfer, who was previously a running back at Tennessee, Jalen Hurd, uh, transferred over to – he's playing receiver now, 18 catches, 251 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, I, I'm honestly pretty confident going into this game, Tanner, just because if this if there's a Big 12 game that we can get on the right foot of, it's going to be against Baylor. And um, on the road. I feel like they have a lot of question marks on their team, and I feel like I feel like they're going to be more concerned about us than we are them, to be completely honest, after these first three games. Based off of social media and ESPN, I mean, KU is almost like one of the hardest teams. Like, this is going to sound stupid and asinine, but if you go by off of social media, what ESPN, what uh, Bleacher Report, what Pro Football Focus, like, if you go off of those things, KU football is one of the hottest ticket items right now. Which yeah. is kind of crazy because I mean it's only been three games, but what we've yeah, done we the past two games and we lost to a D two team. So exactly, it's, it's crazy. So those those Nickel State games that we saw, they lost to Tulane and they lost to McNeese State. So I think, okay, you can take the KU game against Central Michigan thirty one to seven, the KU game against Rutgers fifty five to fourteen. They almost canceled themselves out because, as bad as you know, uh, McNeese State and uh, Tulane is. You know, KU shook that loss off, and they they just rolled off these two wins like it was nothing. And Rutgers is technically a Power 5 school, just as we are. So, I see your point saying that Baylor should be scared of us because, you know, we've, you know, it's we got to the top of the Mamba, it feels like, right now. Um, But going back, uh, feeling confident, I would like listeners to know that I put a $48 bet on KU to beat Rutgers. And I won $41. So I'm now I have, on my bookie, I have $89 sitting in my account, and I'm trying to decide if I should put $89 on KU to beat Baylor. You know if you put $89 on Baylor and we win, I'm not going to let you not bet on a KU game the rest of your life. I think the line's like 9.5 or 6.5, I believe. I can't remember what it is. It's, yeah, it's not going to be an easy game. I, I feel like, um, you know, obviously things could get out of hand and Baylor could blow us out, but – if we keep running the ball as well as we have been and shorten the game, KU is going to have a chance to win this game. No doubt in my mind. And that's why I was a little worried. Um, Beatty came out and said that uh, Bender will be starting against Baylor, which, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't done anything to really show that, he's, that he can't, you know, throw for 100-something yards. But that's his ceiling to me is his ceiling is he's not going to be throwing for 200 yards a game. He's clearly – he missed a whole bunch of touchdowns this last game. Um, I feel like the offense gels so well with uh, Miles Kendrick, and he's shown that he's just as good as passer as Bender. But you turn back to the pistol formations I was talking about, we literally can run a read option, RPO, or a pass play anytime we want. He can check out. And, and kill any of those play calls. But when Bender's in, it has to be a run or it has to be a, it has to be a run to our running back or it has to be a pass. It takes away our read option ability, which we are amazing at now. 
And it, it just gives Baylor an advantage, in my opinion, too, uh, going off your point about Peyton starting. When he's in the game, they know that that's the guy who's supposed to be the passer for our team. Yeah. And uh, he just hasn't shown the ability to read a defense. And, you know, you've got that's capable receivers, you know, like obviously, you know, uh, all offensive line pass blocking hasn't been terrible since the Nickel State game. But you have like Kerr Johnson Jr., Steven Sims, Stefan Robinson. Um, you got guys you can get the ball to. It's just you can't take a long time to make a decision. But and he hasn't right, shown yes. that yet. He likes to stare down people. And it's – that's – it's. I mean, the first game was exactly the Peyton Bender that we saw last year. Again, I mean, granted you say there's six sacks, but at some point – the sacks also fall to the quarterback, which Bender even said after the first game that there was a couple of plays that he was, you know, just, you know, staring down one read and didn't sense the pressure. And that's a point where Miles Kendrick, um, he's got pretty good wheels and he's pretty damn strong. He's got a good lower body and good, you know, good center of gravity. And I'm, I kind of like the idea of saying Bender starting because, you know, Beatty said that he's going to go with the hot hand. Just mm-hmm. like last game, last game Bender missed that wide open touchdown pass. So like the next three drives were all Miles Kendrick, which I thought was awesome. But I'm hoping that the Bender thing is just so that way Baylor doesn't only prepare for the read option and Miles Kendrick, and that basically if we come out to any kind of a slow start, like two straight punts, he's going to immediately throw Kendrick in there and would we'll start running the damn ball. I feel like also if we get off to a slow start. Kendrick throwing in there. Baylor's going to focus all on the run game, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, old Kendrick gets a, a nice passing game. You know, he could go for 200 yards throwing this game just because they're going to worry about his running so much. And, you know, you have Puka to worry about, Khalil Herbert, Dom Williams, Darren Thompson. So it'll be interesting to see how this game plays out. So, Derek, well, uh, I also wanted to touch on um, not only is the KU defense number one in the nation with plus 12 turnover margin, but the second closest team is eight. So we have a four turnover uh, lead right now. What the hell did you just do, Derek? I don't know. The app just quit on me, and I I was freaking out, man. We were just getting into the heat of this KU-Baylor matchup. Yeah, I was just rambling. I, I don't even know the last thing I said because uh, I was rambling about something, and then we I said something. We were talking about the uh, KU defense because we were talking about the plus 12 uh, turnover margin that we have, and the next closest to us was plus 8. Okay. And then I started rambling on, and then I was like, right, Derek? And then right. it's okay, really, no. it was really quiet, and I was like, <laughs> wait. I was like, I don't want to like touch my phone because I'm always scared I'm going to mess up the recording. And I turned it on, and then I see you message me. I'm like, crap. Oh, no, but you're fine. To go back, uh, uh, sorry for the – the technical difficulties bear with us, but Derek, your prediction against the two and one Baylor Bears. Okay, week. first let's start off on this KU defense. Um, I'm going to stay on the uh, bandwagon train as far as this defense is gone. <laughs> the do not be surprised. Do not be surprised if this Kansas team gets at least two turnovers against Baylor. Okay, I'm going to take KU in a close one, 24 to 16. 24 to 16, KU. Yes, I'm going to take Rock Chalk Went from 0-12 to uh, picking the KU to end their Big 12 hey, row losing streak. I'll tell you what, I got to eat crow because I did call the over 12 but Oh, I, just, I, I didn't not, realize how good Puka was going to be, man. I just didn't know. I'm not I'm, – all of us thought KU was going to suck. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's crazy. I would not 
flash forwarding almost a month, I it just to imagine you saying that KU is going to beat Baylor after predicting zero and twelve. But yeah, um, crazy. Um, I don't know. Like I was saying earlier, like I looked at, it, I'm like, well, it's Baylor. But then when I looked and saw how Duke beat Baylor and actually manhandled them and didn't really even – it seems like they just ate clock. I mean, 225 rushing yards in college is – you know, it's a good chunk, but, you know, you have teams rushing for 400 yards a game. I so feel like, okay, you can get that easily. Yeah, and as do I. And the 174 yards passing, which I, is super doable. So, um, I don't know about turnovers. I can't predict that. But I'm going to go with a barn burner. I'm going to go 38 to 31 KU. So KU after this week's going to be 3 and 1 and we're going to be heading into the Oklahoma State game and then Oklahoma State's yeah. going to be a little bit concerned. Okay, so like we did the first episode, we're supposed to be doing these every week. Um we'll try to start doing better, but um I also wanted to do I like to I want to do every week the predictions of the current game and then deciding what you think our overall record will be by the end of the season now. Okay, we can definitely do that. Um, I don't know what our overall record is going to be, though, just because I've this has been a you gotta win guess. for me. Okay, so just I guess. You know, we know my projection from the previous episode was 0-12. I had no faith. But now I'm thinking there's a legitimate shot that KU could be 4-8 by the end of the season, man. Okay, so your week four prediction is four and eight. I'm gonna say four and eight just because I'm okay. I'm gonna play it safe. All right. Um, just to be different, and it's kind of the way the word works. I'm gonna go with five and seven because that puts it puts us at one win short of being in a bowl game, and it's gonna put us in that crazy conversation of should we fire Beatty or not? Because the man, you know, one win short of making a bowl game, but the man would also be, that would put him at eight and 40 through four years. Yeah. So that sparks up, that sparks a pretty interesting, especially if the team is close in those big 12 games that the ones that we lose, it it's going to make for, cause at first it was like, even after the first game, it's like, we have to get rid of Beatty. Like he clearly, I mean, it was in the Hawk talk um, on Monday, I believe. And he was trying to act like, he was he was describing that quarterback draw play where it was like third and six and he decided to run it with Miles Kendrick instead of pass it. And on the Hawk Talk, he was defending his plays. I don't know why that was such a bad call because he was talking about some uh, quick player that was like five foot ten, one hundred fifty five pounds playing the end. Well, they went through the film and te- actually that guy was like six foot two hundred ninety pounds. And <laughs> he was people were like, that. yeah, and people were like, either he's an idiot or. He doesn't actually – he hadn't watched the tape yet after two days, and that's when it was like, okay, we have to get rid of this dude. If he isn't staying up all night, like, losing sleep about losing to a D2 team, it doesn't matter. But, you know, flashing forward to a 5-7 and seven season where we sh- – especially this last two weeks, and we've said before, like, I mean, I know early on I was a big Bowen supporter um, probably about two years ago. I, I thought Bruce Bowen was – I think I'm biased because – you know, he's from Lawrence. He loves KU. He doesn't want to be anywhere else. The fact that he got the interim job, applied for the head job, and didn't get it, but still stayed here, it really, like, I was like, man, this dude's, you know, he could have at least got a shitty D2 job or a shitty D1 job somewhere, I think. But it's going to be an interesting 
take, but like you said, we very well could also go, to, you know, two and ten. We, yeah, I mean, uh, it could happen, but there's also crazier thing. We could go, we could go to a bowl game, which would blow my mind, just because the past three seasons with Beatty, there has been literally no hope. All we were hoping for to win like three games, and now we're at two and one heading into week four, and our offense, and honestly, our offense is looking incredible. It does look incredible, and also. Besides Oklahoma, I think – I said this last year. Uh, I got in an argument with my friend Marcus. He's a big OU guy. Uh, I said last year, probably in December, that Murray was going to be better than Baker. And sure as shit, after three games – He's matching Murray Baker all- number for number. Yeah. So you're absolutely yeah. right, man. He uh, – but not to toot my own horn there, but besides Oklahoma. Hell, Oklahoma, Oklahoma be State than they were last year, to be honest with you. Yeah, but besides them – the Big 12 is pretty down this year. So this would be a perfect year to win some freaking Big 12 games and make a bowl game. I mean, there's no reason not to. I mean, like you said, outside of Oklahoma, I mean, it's a toss-up. Number two team, you, you know, TCU looked okay against Ohio State. You know, I don't know. Oklahoma State's been okay. Texas doesn't look very good. Um, Iowa State, I feel like they're not going to ride that wave they had last year going on. Texas mm-hmm. Tech's vulnerable. K-State iffy defense i think it's a good year for ku to actually make some noise in this conference man and i could i, I can't honestly, believe i'm saying it because after we project i projected 0 and 12 i'm just like i'm blown away right now <laughs> it's uh okay here's a question for you derek before we wrap up the show you have you have to give one person a blowjob was are you going to give puka a blowjob or patrick mahomes a blowjob well, Puka hasn't thrown 10 touchdowns in two games this season, so I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. I would give him a blowjob. I was thinking about this today. I was like, man, like, I can't, you know, you can't remember the last time, you know. Oh, I said this on the podcast with me and Blake. I was like, man, I don't remember the last time KU and the Chiefs both won on the same weekend. It felt so good. And then now you flash forward, and it's like not only are they winning, but their offenses are destroying, which is something – besides the Mangino teams and besides the Priest home teams, the last time – I mean, KU's ne- – or the Chiefs have never had an air raid type of offense, and that's what's no. happening. And now we have KU uh, scoring 55 points against D1 teams, and it's – I know. I've, there's, some been, there. there's some there's hope there. There's, there's a lot of hope. I'm like – we always joked about staying right here. I'm as high <laughs> – I'm, I'm, I'm as high as I've ever been, but – I know what it feels like to be in the basement, so I'm not scared to have my heart broken. You know, we go two and ten. We oh, fucking well. we we got two helmet stickers saying it's on ESPN, so I don't give a I don't give a flying f about yeah. the the role. It was a fun ride, so I won't let that ruin my spirits. I'll be ballsy, and you know, obviously, um, oh god, I don't think there's any way we're going to two and ten. I really after watching these first three games. We're going to rattle off a few wins, I think. I just feel like there, there's going to be a little bit of a breakthrough. Beatty's going to lose his job, and Urban Meyer is going to get, you know, convicted for rape or something, and we're going to hire him, and we're going to win a national championship in the next three years. You know, <laughs> you know what I felt like? Like on, I went in, I worked Tuesday through Saturdays, but they asked me to come in Monday to run a route, and it's overtime all day, so I made bank. But all day, everyone was all, <laughs> looked, all everyone looked all pissed off at me because – I was in the happiest mood of my entire life, and everyone's like, why are you so happy? And literally all day, the feeling in my stomach, it was like it was like a 
six in the morning, you know, when you were a kid and you woke up to go open presents on Christmas. That's what I like felt. That. That's what I felt like all week. It's just like, oh my God, this is like Christmas, but better because, you know, I know Santa Claus isn't real. Kids, if you're listening, Santa Claus is real. But is now that you're an real. adult, but now that I'm an adult, it's like, this is the greatest thing, you know, in the sports world that God can give me. So, but are you about to take a shit or something? No, I'm just hanging out on my did- couch right now. Oh, it sounded like you opened up the toilet lid. I'm like, dude, you already pissed. Start this, <laughs> start this freaking episode. No, no, no. I'm so, on the couch. All right. Is there anything else you want to add, Derek? Besides, I mean, I'm just sitting here all happy and excited. I'm probably going to go watch the KU game again. I just want to let everyone know that that was as negative as I was. For all those fans out there that thought we were going to go 0-12, buy into this team because I, <laughs> I have a, I have a feeling <laughs> – you know, it might not be anything spectacular, but if we win four or five games, Tanner, that's huge for this program. And it no, doesn't sound right. like much, but buy especially, this team right now. Watch every game that you can because it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting season. Yeah, and especially losing a game to a one and two D two school to win five games literally means you did not have to play a D two team for one of those wins. So yeah, that <laughs> exactly. would be it would be super impressive, but all right, Derek, we'll leave it there. Um, we need to start doing this every week. I know it, it's funny because, like, our goal was to do this, and then KU loses the D2 team, and they were both like, What's, I don't, I just, I can't talk about it. Exactly. It was, it was too you hard. Get two wins, you get two wins under your belt, and things turn tied. And we will be doing this every week and recapping and previewing the next matchup. All right, Derek, we'll. Good episode, and to all the fans, thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys, for turning in and checking us out. And uh, stay tuned, because I believe this week we're going to release a group episode of the Fat Boys and the Indians, so check that out as well. And we'll see you guys next time. Nope.